Welcome to our series, Alumni Conversations, where we sit down with alumni from our executive education programs to hear how their experience has had an impact. Today, Dan Ogilvie, Director of the Executive MBA Program, sits down with Trey Addison, co-founder and managing partner of Nascent Group Holdings. Hear why Trey chose to pursue his EMBA and how it's impacted his life since graduation. This conversation was recorded during a live event and includes a few questions from participating audience members. Uh, very pleased to have with us today, Trey Addison. Trey's the co-founder and managing partner of the nascent uh, group holdings. And probably more important for this call is Trey was a member of C18. That's the class of 2019. Uh, thank you very much for being with us today, Trey. No, thanks, Dan. I appreciate, appreciate joining. And uh, as a proud Buckeye, I thank you for reaching out and, and happy to be with you. Well, I think uh, uh, probably one of the first and foremost questions that, that our listeners are, are probably contemplating right now is the decision to, to pursue uh, an executive MBA, otherwise known as, as an EMBA. Um, could you share a little bit about uh, what it was like for you when you were in this decision-making process and, and maybe some of the motivating factors that, uh, that pushed you to do this? Absolutely. I, I think uh, a lot of it had to do with surely just background. And, and for me, I had um, cut my teeth mainly in policy and, and, and politics leading up to, to, to being in, in business. And um, a few years prior to joining, uh, to, 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 to going to, to Ohio State from an EMBA standpoint, a friend of mine and I, we started a holdings company. And I had been investing in real estate prior, but we had we had started a firm and made it made a decent investment into our first project. And one of the things that I felt like I was lacking was really number one, you know, better, more quantitative skills on the business side. And I think number two, it was more so, you know, learning from others and in, in, in the business sector. And that was something uh, I had the pleasure. I went through a program at Ohio State. Uh, executive and energy program and, and learned and, and got around people and networked. And it, it kind of sparked my interest uh, to get back in and, and get back into school. And then finally, I, I, you know, Dan, Dan, you and I met, and I'll never forget, over breakfast. Uh, and I said, look, this is where I'm lacking. This is where I need to expand. I know this particular area of a component of business, but I need to expand upon that as we go along this journey and starting a company. And, and, and that, that really drove it and, and honestly um, benefited from it. The companies benefited from it. I think I see things differently uh, having gone through that experience, uh, good and bad. I mean, honestly, you, you do a self-reflect. I think um, Jay Dial teaches a really great course within the program. And once you do that self-reflection of who you are, not only as a business person, but also as a human being, uh, you walk out of there, in my opinion, a better person overall. And, uh, you know, I know there's, a, there's certainly a lot of programs throughout the country and, and uh, quite frankly, globally that teach executive MBA programs. And uh, you certainly had the ability to go to a number of, of those programs as well. Um, can you share a little bit about why you decided to come to Ohio State? Yeah, I would say, you know, had the opportunity to go to a, a number of other schools, including the school up north. And, and I think one of the big Thing, the key driver for me was the cohort component, right? Because it, it was interesting. I, I remember just kind of going through the process at the onset and saying, wow, you know, 
I'm literally in class with, you know, 30, 32 individuals that inevitably, um, you know, I'm going to be sticking this thing out with for the next year, a uh, year and a half. And having that experience meant more to me. And it, it's not, it wasn't just a matter of the, the core, you know, academics that you're going to learn, you know, and getting an executive MBA. That, that, that's to me, that was, that was sort of secondary. Once I learned more about the cohort component, that was the primary and part of the primary driver because you're building relationships with those individuals in the classroom, but more importantly, you're learning from them. I mean, we had doctors, we had uh, individuals who were CFOs, you had individuals who were in the energy sector at the executive capacity. So you're learning about different markets, uh, markets that you may not have known about. You're also learning about leadership in different ways. I mean, we had a, a, a you know two doctors that that I you know I learned a lot from just from a healthcare standpoint, having lobbied in healthcare. Uh, but you're able to learn from them and and how they approach business, but also healthcare and, and serving patients. So all of that to me was uh, was eye opening, and I think that was the key driver for me was was being able to build relationships through a cohort, as opposed to just kind of looking at it and saying, ah, you know, I'll learn about finance and I'll learn about you know HR and and learn about statistics and things of that nature. Uh, really, learning from others was the key driver. So it, it's been said there's there's so much learning that occurs and it's uh, it's um, one big family. In fact, I guess I like to share that I, I find there being three families in, in a program uh, such as an executive MBA. One is uh, clearly your immediate family, which is most important, but a lot of people will say they've kind of built a family around their team. They've also built a family around their, their cohort. Did you find a, a similar experience? Wow. I mean, honestly, um, I, I talk to my immediate team from the cohort probably every day it through via text, a group text. And if you ask me what I'd be, you know, what we communicate every day um, at the beginning of the program, I would say probably not. I mean, you know, it's just, you don't think about that. You know, you don't think about, you know, building, you know, those types of relationships where, you know, you're, you're going to potentially going to the weddings, you're, you're communicating about everything in life from politics to business to just life in general and you build that relationship i mean two of the guys i mean we've got a, a podcast um called the jtp perspective where we talk about those things um but again if you ask me that in january uh, uh you know in january of 2018 would you guys be starting a podcast together as a as a group i would have said probably not i mean you just don't think about those things so that type of relationship is huge to me. And, and I think that's the stuff that you can't plan for. But if you approach the program, in my opinion, just with an open mind and, 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 and the willingness to learn, not only learn for, from an academic standpoint, but learn, learn from others, you get that type of relationship. And, and, and these, are, these are, you know, I can speak for my group individually. I mean, all of them, I've learned from them personally, um, professionally, and even continue to learn and grow with them throughout our lives. And I think you can't, you can't plan for that. And I think that's probably one of the items that I would say when you're looking at an MBA program, executive MBA program especially, to build a relationship with other executives is huge. Because in career and in life, sometimes you don't have those opportunities outside of work. And, and you want the, you yearn for that you know, outside of a work setting. So 
um, that was my approach. And luckily, you know, I've been blessed to, to gain uh, four, you know, new best friends throughout the process. And a, a number of people are, are sometimes concerned about the workload and the fact that they might have been out of school for 10 plus years and, uh, and are concerned, can they you know, basically carry the load in addition to a full-time job and family? Uh, do you have any words of wisdom or at least from your experience that you'd like to share with the group? Yeah, I think that um, workload was, was probably, uh, if you've got a, if you're, if you have a family, um, you know, obviously your significant other, you know, would likely be your anchor throughout the process. You know, if you don't, um, really time management is key. And I think the two go hand in hand, whether you have a spouse or someone else uh, that can support you mentally, emotionally, and just time-wise. Um, luckily, when I started the, pro the program, we didn't, have, we didn't have, my wife and I didn't have kids. So, you know, it was still a level of balance, but, you know, we didn't have to hurry up, go home, make sure kids are okay and all of that. Um, one of the things that I would say though, the, the program was rather flexible and, you know, you know, you got a commitment um, for three days, really, you know, three, sometimes four, depending on if there's an activity prior to, uh, prior to going to class, but, you know, you really got a plan, but it wasn't overwhelming. And the process wasn't overwhelming as far as, you know, sort of getting prepared. If you got a good group, you know, and you're, you're supportive in your group, the academic, you know, the academic workload wasn't too, wasn't too rigorous to the extent where you're like, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. Um, you know, plan, plan, plan would be my biggest recommendation. Um, you know, in the midst of it, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, we were, you know, for me, you know, I was in business. So you're, you're literally in business, you're in class, and you have a wife, you know, it's like all of the things that one would kind of segment in their life uh, was all kind of happening for me at the same time. And, and I came out rather unscathed um, and still with my wife and a new child. So it all kind of worked out for me. But um, I would just say the big thing is just planning. Um, make sure you're planning, make sure you're thinking through your workload uh, at work and at home and during the time. But, you know, I, it, it was not too strenuous to where it was like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have, I, I regretted the decision. No. Um, and I, and I can probably speak for most of the folks in, in the cohort that I was in. I mean, it, you know, it was, a, sometimes it could get, you know, tough in certain classes, but if you had a good group, you, you were in good shape. And then, you know, talking about curriculum as, as uh, uh, you experienced, we utilize the Socratic method where uh, you know, we're constantly using case studies and asking questions and, and having our uh, students uh, in a lot of ways fill in the answers. Um, are there any courses that, that stood out to you? Are there any courses that uh, either had immediate value to you as you were going through the program or for where you are today uh, you found valuable? Yeah, man, I, I would say the top three courses for me that were where I, and, and I would even say one wasn't even a course as much as it was, it, it was, it was really an eye-opening experience. The, our leadership class with Jay Dial was profound. I think a lot of the information that, that was shared during that process, not only were you opening up um, and learning about each other's shared life experience, but at the same time, you were able to kind of re reflect on who you were as an executive. And so many times in business, 
self-reflection is not, it, it's almost an afterthought, right? You're just, you're just going at it. You're just learning, you're, you're going forward. You got to make sure that, you know, you're, you're in the black. You got to make sure things are progressing. Your staff is doing well. But a lot of times the self-reflection component is not there. And, and, and it's not, not a negative, but I think one of the items in that class, literally we were forced to self-reflect. And we were first forced to become sort of a resident leader and a present leader. And those things challenged me at least, and I think others in the class to open up and really overcome kind of the, 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 anything that we were thinking that we weren't, it kind of set you on a path to say, look, this is how you can become a better le leader, a better human, and a better person overall in all of your interactions. Um, be, and not make them just surface level. So that was probably one of the best courses for me that I walked away from that I still carry with me throughout life. I think from a business standpoint, I would definitely say entrepreneurship. Uh, Dan, you taught that class. I think it, it's, it was eye-opening to see, you know, a lot of the individuals who thought about starting a company that were working for a company start to think through that process, like, well, I can really do it. Now, if you if you look at it, a lot of times when you're when you are working and you're working for a company, you still, a lot of people have that entrepreneurial bug, which is why they may be going back to school. And I think if, if when, you, when you look through that class, you kind of break it down in a way, this is how it's financially feasible. This is how, you know, this is how you raise capital. This is what this, is what this all means when you're sort of building a company and all the things that encompass that uh, was eye-opening. And I would say the last course was, and a lot of people would say, wow, why was that so profound? But as I mentioned earlier, the quantitative skills were the things that I lacked. So accounting and finance were probably two of my takeaway courses um, to add finance in there, but accounting for sure, because I think it, it, it was something I was able to build a skill and, 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 and build on my business acumen with a lot of, you know, I had from a soft skill standpoint, adding that accounting piece, adding that finance piece, it just, it made me a more well-rounded person. As I look at deals, as I build deals, um, as I speak to opportunities, it just created a, a great opportunity overall for me to learn. Um, so I think all of those things, soft and hard skill classes, it, it, it made sense and it made me a better business person and, and more savvy um, overall. Now, during the 17 months, you had the opportunity to um, participate in a couple of experiential uh, trips. I, uh, for your class, uh, in particular, you went to China and then you also uh, went out to Silicon Valley. Um, how did you find those trips uh, added to your learning experience or again, uh, added to where you are today? Yeah, I think the um, Silicon Valley trip to me was eye-opening. As somebody who I have invested in technologies, um, but when you get out there and, and, and the program and Dan, you guys have such a good contact and there's so many great Buckeyes in the Valley and you don't think about that, right? At the onset, you're like, ah, you know, it's Ohio State, it's a Midwest school. Who's, who's, who, who, who's the transplants out there? And uh, honestly, um, going out there and meeting all the great Buckeyes that we were able to meet that are operating at an extremely high level. Um, was amazing. And then on the flip side of that, the connections the program has, um, literally you're going to light speed ventures and you and your cohort are, are sitting down with Barry Eggers. You know, the reality is to have a conversation one-on-one -on -one with Barry Eggers is a very, I, I, you know, a lot, a lot of people get that opportunity. 
uh, especially if they're investors and they want to learn. You're literally sitting across the table talking about deals. And then he sends around the, um, I think it was a Snapchat deck, their original, their original deck. And you're looking at it, and then you're looking at Snapchat now, and you're like, okay, you're around a legend who, who picked Snapchat, who was the early adopter of Snapchat. And he says, oh, well, yeah, I bet because my kids were using it. Like, it's like, you can't, you can't make that up. And then you go to Kleiner Perkins, and you're sitting down with Randy Komisar, and it's the same thing. That's the kind of stuff, honestly, from a program's perspective, those connections, you, you, can't, you can't make that up. And I think that's because, you know, obviously, Dan, your relationship's out there, but I think that the respect of Ohio State, the respect of the program provided access to that. And some of those individuals I still communicate with, some of those individuals that are alumni I still communicate with on the, in the Valley. So I think it was that experience was phenomenal. Couple that with um, our China experience, because I think we went, I want to say that was November of 2018. Um, Great experience, same thing. Great Buckeyes in China doing great things. Um, great meetings, phenomenal to learn about sort of how China is gonna play um, and it has continued to play just at a high level globally and in global business and, and where they're trending um, to dominate certain areas of the globe in business. To learn about that was great, but also on the flip side of that, if you couple that in with we were there during the middle of a trade war. So, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of getting very scripted answers from certain companies that are in China regarding the trade war, but you're reading a different headline if you're opening up the Wall Street Journal while you're over there about what China's doing. So it was a, just a great opportunity to kind of see the two. Um, we were able to obviously go to Shanghai and Beijing, but Hong Kong was amazing because we, we met, you know, a lot of great people there, but the flip side of that flash forward a year and you're watching Hong Kong and civil unrest. And I don't know if, you know, if I went back to Hong Kong in the next three years, I'm not going back to the same Hong Kong that I was in prior to. And not only is that historical, um, but also it provided a significant amount of context on how global business changes so fast and markets change so fast. So in retrospect, as a business person now, who, you know, I, have, I own part of a company that sources product from China. We've been impacted by that process. And I was there literally a year prior before when there wasn't really an impact. Um, so you kind of you can see things through a different lens as a business professional that inevitably I wouldn't have had, have had that context if we didn't have that experience. So before we, we open it up to any general questions, um, is there any advice that you'd like to just share if, if you were one-on-one -on -one with whoever's on the, the other end of, of this call today and they were just asking you just, you know, your general thoughts on maybe even entering a program, exiting a program, picking out a program, or if Trey was right in front of somebody that uh, you wanted to ask for the first time some general advice, what would you maybe tell them? No, uh, no, good question, Dan. I think the it's not all about ROI. I think a lot of times as, as uh, investors or as business professionals, you're always thinking about return, uh, especially return on investment. If you're investing, you know, X amount of dollars in yourself and the program, am I going to get that back, um, you know, immediately in salary? I think you, you want to think about it 
in two ways. You want to think about it one way, you know, of course you want to, you want to grow your salary, you want to grow your income. Uh, education can help do that. But on the flip side of that, the relationships that you will make is worth way more than an extra 50000 or 100000 or whatever you're going to make in salary after you finish the program. I think those relationships, if you do it the right way, you'll have those relationships for the rest of your life. And you can't, you can't, you can't quantify that, uh, in my opinion. I think those relationships are people that you know that have your back, that you can go to, that you can learn from, that you know, inevitably you can't just say, oh, well, you know, I, 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 I'm making a $50,000 more because I went through this Ohio State program. No, those relationships will last a lifetime. I think, on, on, and I would also say this, is the learning, and I said it early, but the learning from others. Um, I think that was where I would say my best takeaways in business were because you had so many different sectors in our, in our cohort, at least, and I'm sure in all the ones that followed thereafter, uh, where individuals were in, um, you know, I was talking to talking to one, one of individuals in our cohort that worked at a, a steel company. And, you know, to hear about that business, the steel business model, and then also hear about China and dumping of steel, because you would always hear that in context in political conversations. But what was the real business impact of that, right? So you hear it, you hear it, you know, on the news, you hear people talking about it, but to literally sit down with an expert who runs, you know, a, a large steel operation for one of the largest steel companies in the country. And he's saying, this is really how it impacts our business. I mean, that's, that's huge. And, and that you, you, you take that away. And when you think about that approach, when you're sitting down with individuals in, in, in various sectors and energy, et cetera, you, you, you can't, you know, again, you can't quantify, you can, well, you can, you can quantify that long-term, whether you use that from an investment standpoint, but those relationships you cannot quantify. And I think that's the thing. If you approach the program the right way, you'll learn that and you'll, 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 you'll go in not only thinking about the number you'll make when you come out, but you'll think about the relationships that you'll make. And those things last a lifetime. Um, as we can see going through COVID-19, you know, economies shift overnight. You know, no one, if you talk to somebody last October uh, or September, they would, they would have said, well, you know, we, we won't see a pandemic in my lifetime. Well, you know, in March, they, they saw one and, they, and we watched how it routed parts of our economy. You know, the reality is those things change. Economics change. Friendships and relationships, as long as you curate them, don't. And that was the one thing I can take away. And obviously, I'm living that. With, with my group um, and even folks that weren't in my group that I have relationships with. Well, Trey, I, I certainly could talk to you for hours on a, on a variety of different topics. Um, I wanna uh, put an opportunity for our audience if there's any questions uh, that they may have. Kelly, will you be facilitating this? Yes, so if anyone has any questions for Trey, you can put them in the chat box and I can relay that. Um, but in the meantime, you know, you touched a lot on your relationships with the cohort. Um, could you maybe touch on your relationships with faculty? Did you feel like they were accessible and easy to approach? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the faculty in the program, uh, for the most part, were all pretty, pretty easy to approach, easy to have conversations with. You'll obviously see 
the faculty that just naturally stand out. I mean, that happens, right? And, and you, you know, it's just like anything else, whether you're in business or anything. I mean, you know the faculty that genuinely stand out that you will just grab onto. Um, I mentioned Jay Dial, obviously, Dan, you teach, teach in the cohort, you know, great, you know, great opportunities, great opportunity to learn. Um, you know, one, one of the courses that I did mention was strategy. And, and, and uh, we had strategy actually with Anon, Professor Anon, and I, I you know, you learn different um, terms, right? Uh, he, he uses the term running shoe. And what's the business's running shoe? And, and an analogy is, you know, how are they running from the bear? You know, obviously in business, the bear market. And um, I've actually stolen that term from him. And, and I use that. I use that pretty often now in businesses. You know, what's your business's running shoe? And you start to build the same strategy frameworks that you use um, that, you know, many consultants use across the country and get compensated for. You're doing that if you're as an investor. You know, I, that's how I approach it, right? I mean, it, you, you, if you learn it, how do you apply it to your business? If you, other than that, anybody, whether you're going to undergrad in business or you're going to get your executive MBA or regular MBA, don't think about the money so much as how are you going to apply the stuff you learn? You know, some portions of it, you're not ever going to apply. We know that. But the courses, like I said, for me, strategy, entrepreneurship, finance, accounting, um, and, and really leadership, those are the things that I took away from and was able to kind of build, personally build on and as an investor build on and continue to learn. And the application of those things will help you long term. And, and if you're approaching it that way, if you're a true investor and you're investing in yourself, which is one of the better investments outside your kids you can make. The reality is, what is that gonna look like for you beyond just dollars? But what does that look like as you look at things through a different lens in strategy? You know, strategic approach can go from, it, it could be just in your own household. I'm not saying I'm building frameworks uh, with my wife, but the reality is I'm doing that as I look at investing in businesses or asking pointed and the right questions. And that's another thing that, you know, and Dan and I, we've talked about this is asking the right questions can mean so much in a lot of conversations. And that's, that's probably one of the other things that I would say I was able to take away from that. Great. Um, so one question we have from a panelist, and as we all know, timing is always concerned. When is the best time to go back? So one question we had is, Trey, when did you know it was time to get your MBA? Was there a time you had in mind or was there an aha moment? Hmm. That's a very good question. Um, timing, I, I knew I wanted to go to either business school or law school uh, when I came out of undergrad. I didn't know which one because I, again, I was in policy and politics and the law school made the, the, the most sense. Um, and I would say as I started to invest, as a invest in the, in the stock market, as a real estate investor, and then really get into sort of venture capital type investments. I, I understood the deal from certain components, but I didn't understand the, the financials in the way that I wanted to. And I was stretching myself to some degree because I said, wow, like I, I get it, but, I, but we're, there's other numbers, or there's, there's other things that I'm not able to think through or going back to the question thing, there's questions that I'm not asking that I should be asking about the deal. And that was probably where I said, you know what, if I want to be 
where I want to be in business or even in general, um, I need to go back to school. And, and I had those conversations with a host of others who went to school, got their MBA. My wife actually has her MBA. She went to the University of Dayton. Um, and, you know, a lot of those conversations with folks who got their MBA, some of them were, well, I got it because I could get a $20,000 pay bump. Some of them were, well, I got it because I wanted to start a business. I think for me, it was more so I wanted to learn. I wanted to get better at who I was in business. And at the same time, I also wanted to say, okay, here, here are my weak points. Here's where I'm weak. And if you're not, if you're a, as a leader in general, if you can't acknowledge your blind spots, then you're not going to be a really good leader over time because you can't see where your blind spots are, where your weaknesses are. Yeah, you can hire people to, to fulfill that, which is smart. But at the same time, you still need to work on that. It's like, you know, working out, right? I mean, if you know you're, you're top heavy, you work out, you work out every day with, you know, at the top, but your legs are not as strong. Well, one would think you need to go start working on your legs a little bit more so it would be proportional. Same thing. Um, you know, same type of analogy, in my opinion, you really want to start to flex on that. And that's what I did. And, um, and that's how I approached it. Uh, when I when I looked at schools, I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I knew Dan, um, obviously, through the other executive program that I went through. Uh, and I reached out to him, and we talked about it. And even then, after that conversation, I thought about it, man, you know, should I go to this school or that school? Or, you know, how, you know, what is what makes the most sense? And finally, Again, the cohort component um, and, and the, the Ohio State, the network um, and the, the, the getting to know people, it just made the most sense for me. And, and honestly, I don't regret it. I think, you know, I, obviously I've been able to build a platform beyond it now and, and build relationships that will last a lifetime. Awesome. Um, can you talk a little bit about the impact on your career today? um and how you see it just in your daily life yeah i think the the big i would say one of the the number one impacts just on career now is the ability um to reflect and look through uh opp business opportunities um the ability to start to to navigate and manage a business um was different the way that i thought about business prior to the program is, is, is slightly different than I think about it now. Um, strategies, approach is different. Um, assessing financial, assessing risk is different. Operations is different. Um, I would say before, in looking at business from an investor standpoint or to invest in a company, I would always look at, okay, what's the long view? What are they, wh where is the company gonna be in X amount of years? Now, of course you wanna look at those things or what are they making that they have a moat around them? Um, that you know inevitably they'll have sustainability long term, but the one thing that I that I reflect on and and I in another area where I grew was uh, operations. What is a business's operation, and and what does that operations look like coupled with their finance? And the two go hand in hand. So now when you're evaluating an opportunity, especially for an existing business, you're looking at that. And and, and I think COVID nineteen exposed businesses who or out of whack in finance or out of whack in operations. And, and if, if they didn't, if the two weren't aligned, they were slightly vulnerable, increased your know, risk was through the roof. People didn't see that. And now, you know, some of those businesses have been impacted and some of those businesses will probably be impacted um, as we move forward, you know, going, you know, into quarter four. Uh, so I think 
that type of stuff, it, it, which you, with your learning there, you're kind of, you're applying that real time. And that's, that's the other thing. I think you, you can apply that stuff real time and reflect on that. That's you. And, and you, you know, I think it, it, it's, it's, um, you know, if anything, from a career standpoint now, I, I would say, um, you know, the NBA prepared slightly in some weird way for COVID and how we navigate COVID. You know, what are the things that we can do as a business? Um, if we're acquiring at property, you know, what are the things that we want to see from an operational standpoint? How do we bring cost aligned uh, to fulfill and, be, and navigate this environment? Um, I, I probably wouldn't, I would have thought about it pre-MBA, but it wouldn't be so sort of clear to me. Um, and I think, you know, even if you went to school and undergrad for business, it's not the same. Um, it's, it's definitely not the same. And, and you know, I, I, I tell anybody, get some work experience under your belt, you know, right, you know, when you get out of school, because you're going to look at things slightly different um, than you will if you just jump into a program. So uh, that, that's, that's how it's impacted me in, in, in a positive way. I guess I, I would just like to end um, what a lot of the things Trey said, it echoes actually for faculty members. And uh, I can tell you, it, it is an absolute pleasure for us uh, when we meet somebody like Trey and at the end of 17 months, uh, we can now say, well, it's not just uh, he was a former student. Uh, you can actually say he's a friend and colleague. And I feel very blessed that I've had the opportunity to meet Trey. Uh, Trey in our conversations after the program has taught me a number of things. So it's lifelong learning, it's lifelong networking. And uh, you know, it's just as exciting for those of us in the program uh, as much as it is for the students as well. So, uh, Trey, I couldn't uh, thank you enough for being with us. And Kelly, thank you so much for, for arranging this. And uh, for those of you who uh, are on uh, online or will be listening to this, uh, I'm happy to chat with you at any time. And, and maybe even more important, I'm sure Trey would be willing to have a one-on-one -on -one with you as well, because that's just kind of the the types of individuals we have throughout this program and they're always willing to share their experience and help you in your maybe your decision making uh, process so thanks very much everybody great thanks dan thanks kelly for more information on the executive mba program please visit fisher.osu.edu backslash e m b a